0: What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for clicking through. This is the very first episode of the No Tomatoes podcast, our preseason release, if you will. So this is a special episode in that we wanted to cover the politics surrounding the general election that's coming up. So it's a little bit earlier than we were planning on actually releasing the podcast. We thought it was a great idea to cover politics because it's such an important aspect of our lives and we didn't want to skim over that you might be asking, why would you want to start a podcast? And that answer really comes in two parts. First of all, it is to give our band a chance to interact with our audience and the people who listen to our music on a more personal level. But also it's a chance to give local figures a platform to talk about their passions and really their life's purpose in a lot of cases. So, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Robert Kilgo. He's a super cool guy who's really involved in politics and has a passion for motivating young people to be involved in politics because oftentimes it's super easier for us as younger people to ignore politics and focus on more of our personal lives. But I think it's very important for us to have a hand in politics and actually go out and vote because we have such an amazing freedom in this country to do so and be informed in doing so. So this episode is being released much earlier than the rest of the episodes, and the rest of the episodes won't be released until January, but we're very excited to start releasing those for you. So don't forget, we will be hounding you on our profiles, our social media, about the brand new content that we're going to be bringing to you. So look for that in January. Again, thank you so much for watching. If you're on the video version, if you're on the audio version, you won't be missing out on too much. Just um, listening on the audio I know is super convenient for doing other things as you listen. But if you aren't already watching the video version and want to see our beautiful faces talk, then you can go to the No Tomatoes podcast on YouTube and watch us there. Enjoy. That's some pretty complicated stuff to pull. You don't have respective hands. Do I do? <laughs> absolute trash. Having a good time. Right? Just enjoying all. you so fun (laughs) the song sucks yep that's true what's up guys welcome to the no tomatoes podcast this is episode zero um i'm here with rob kilgo and uh he's gonna be talking to us with us with me only me (laughs) usually there's more of us but um since this is a special episode it's just gonna be me and him um Rob is currently our student body president at Grace Christian University. He uh, grew up a missionary kid in Malaysia, am I correct? Yep, you're right. And I also heard tell that you play piano.
1: I do. I played for nine years.
0: Wow. Yeah. Nice. Little known fact. (laughs) So um, along those lines, do you have any musical theater experience?
1: No, I don't. Mm. No, I wish. Mm.
0: Have you seen Hamilton, though?
1: I keep telling myself I'm gonna watch it. Oh yeah. It and easy. then I haven't seen it yet. I know. Dang. I've heard I've heard really good things though.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty I actually my fiance is super into musical theater, so but I ended up only watching the first half of it. But what I saw was really good. Yeah. I was wondering if you had seen it. It's on the to do list for sure. Yeah. Um so I guess kind of an icebreaker question. Um what was it like being a missionary kid? And, like, kind of tell us about, like, how long you were in Malaysia and, and what what kind of how you grew up. And do you think that gives you a u- unique perspective on politics here? Sure. So
1: growing up a missionary kid was an extreme privilege. I'm not going to lie. It really was. Um, but I didn't grow up, in the traditional sense, a missionary kid. Uh, when I was 13 or 14, my dad moved. Like, sold, we sold our house and moved to Malaysia. So I was already pretty well into my development at that point. Mm. Um, I grew up in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, the outskirts, and uh, we lived a pretty good life. Um, my dad one day woke up and for the next three weeks kept waking up every day with only one thought on his mind, and that was missions. And he'd go to work and sit at his desk, and he would tell us about this when he when he would get home come home. He would just sit there and just wanna be out on the field. And me and him had gone on some short-term missions in the past to Kenya. Mm. So he'd already had a taste for it, knew what it was about, and for some reason it just stuck to him. And I, well, I don't say for some reason. It's, it was a calling for sure. It was God's calling to him. So I was 14 when I moved to Malaysia for the first time. Mm. Uh, I was a freshman in high school. So I spent that year all the way to my senior year in Malaysia. So all my high school years I spent there. And that was absolutely such a cool experience because not a lot of kids in America get to travel abroad. Ever. Yeah. You know, I, I know it's true. most people that go here have never been out of the United States. Yeah. And I know it was in a, a mission capacity, but still having those experiences were super valuable. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely it informs how I view politics because it let me get outside of my box. It let me get outside of this country and see what else was out there. Mm. Um, I've been to 16 countries now total, just through traveling or whatnot. Oh. And every place is so different. And the United States is no different than that. You know, we have our own political system, mm-hmm. our own way of doing things. And, you know, we have our faults, but other countries do too. And so it's being able to go to those countries and seeing what's great about them, but also their setbacks that lets you take a step back here and see what's great about America, but also what our setbacks are. So,
0: Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, I guess... I know you're super involved in politics, but I don't know exactly what your plan is um, me for your future. You don't know either. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So, I've always wanted to be a politician, uh, but that's not if that turns out that's not the best way for me to be able to help people through the political process. Then I'll find a different way. Mm. Um, right now, I'd love to get some experience working in local government. I think working um, in you know communities that aren't doing as well as others would be my passion right now, so poorer communities. Mm-hmm. Like Wyoming would be a great example of yeah. a community that is not necessarily super distressed, but it has its issues, and they're pretty rele- pretty easy for you and I to see, I would, I would mm-hmm. think. That's Wyoming, Michigan for anyone yes, sorry. who Wyoming, doesn't know Michigan. that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I'd love to get started in local politics, because I'm sure we'll talk about all politics is local. Mm-hmm. So if something, um, you know, the president's important, the vice President's important, your governor's important. But the people that actually make decisions that affect your lives the most are the state house and the state senate mm-hmm. and your local county officials. So if you can make change at a local level, you're actually able to help more people, I think, uh, than maybe at the national level.
0: Mm. That's a good perspective to have. I think a lot of a lot of us that's kind of gets to another question I had later on, but mm. We might as well just go over it. Now, a lot of us in America think, you know, the presidential election, it's the big thing. Um, yeah. And and that's the only thing we vote for. Um, and I don't think that's really the way we should be handling this. And I, it's, you seem to be, agree.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, forgetting the, the presidential election for a second. Um, it doesn't have as much influence over your life as the media would have you think. You know, it's like, oh, well, if Donald Trump's reelected, then this is so-and-so is going to happen to your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. Um, the reason it's so relevant is because it's always in our faces, and that's why we're always thinking about it. And, of course, the president is an important um, important person and an important job to have mm-hmm. uh, because they do have the ability to make widespread changes that affect the entire country. Um, and also they're the – they are – Our representative of our country so they are who other countries look at um as our representative you know so when they see you know the president they see us through the president
0: yeah that's true so in that way
1: yeah it's important um but local politics have more influence over your life just you know they just do Mm -hmm. they they affect your taxes that, that you pay uh the roads that you have um in your cities uh the quality of your water the quality of the air all that stuff is pretty local. And so in a, in a very real sense, the day-to-day stuff that you go through is, is more local politics than not. And it's such a shame that people will, you know, get their ballots or go to the polls, and they'll fill out president and vice president, maybe their U.S. senator if, mm-hmm. if, they, if they do. I don't know. Some people don't, too. And then they'll just leave the rest blank. Yeah. You know, like county commissioner the prosecutor or stuff like that.
0: Well, even, you know, even policies yes. that are on the ballot. Yeah. I think sometimes people overlook those like
1: propositions yeah, yeah. Michigan yeah. had a, a recent example. I'm not a resident of the state. I still live in Georgia mm. technically. so I think it was 2018 or 2019 the state legalized recreational marijuana is that right? Yes yeah so that's that's one issue you know that's a bigger one. I think people really did vote on that one but you know the 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 other ones that are worded in a more legal way. Uh, sometimes people just look over those and don't even fill them out. Mm. And that's a shame because beyond the legal terms, there are actually decisions that affect your life in them.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, um, another question I have for you is, uh, I heard that you don't really affiliate yourself with a political party. Um, I guess, what are your views on political parties and... Um, why why do you not choose to affiliate with one of them? I would say that I loosely
1: affiliate myself with political parties, um, in the sense that in America for the big races, you know, well actually most races, one of the two parties wins: a Republican's going to win or a Democrat's going to win. Independent governors is pretty much not existent. I'm pretty sure Gary Johnson in, in New Mexico was an independent governor. He's one of the few. Mm. Um, so usually you have to look at politics through one of those two prisms. Um, so when it's all said and done, I would say I am a fairly liberal person. Um, I, but I'm not, I don't want to say I'm blindly loyal to one party or person because, uh, first of all, I think it's the wrong mindset to have about politics mm. is that, oh, well, this guy's great and I'm going to vote for him no matter what. That should never be the case, Yeah. you know, not not w- with Democrats, not with Republicans, Um because beyond the rhetoric, I think Democrats and Republicans are, are the same in a lot of ways. Mm. People don't really think about that too much, but they really are. You know, Republicans raise the debt ceiling just as much as Democrats do. Mm. Uh, they mm. did it in 2018. The deficit is just as high as it would be under a Democratic president right now. And Democrats vote alongside Republicans for warrantless wiretapping of our phones through the Patriot Act. You know, what, you know what that is at all?
0: Oh, yeah. The yeah. Patriot Act
1: yeah <laughs> that's yeah. a whole thing, yeah both I, parties are they're pretty they're pretty <laughs> in sync with that one. Um,
0: yeah. I so, mean why wouldn't they be right It gives
1: them a lot of access <laughs> yeah, to us exactly so but I say that to mean that I would I normally probably would vote for a Democrat, but I am not opposed in any measure or any way of voting for a Republican. I really am not. Mm. Um, I think the senator you guys have up here, John James, seems like a pretty good guy. Mm. Um, I looked into his policies a little bit He seems like a good like a like he would be a good senator you know I don't I haven't looked into Gary Peters as much but um, generally I like to look at races as the person I don't look at the party next to their name as much I research the person Mm -hmm. and I found that to be incredibly helpful in making a really informed decision you know with what mostly closely with what closely aligns with me the most I guess
0: yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um do you think that there cuz I I personally um um I lean more towards the side of voting third party just because I believe that the two political parties having so much power is a little bit ridiculous um yeah. in general. But do you think that there is any I- is that view a little bit idealistic? Um in your opinion, and do you think that there is any hope for third-party candidates in the presidential election or even in gubernatorial elections to become elected in in either this presidential race or future ones?
1: Yeah, it's definitely idealistic, but uh, <laughs> not in a bad way, though. You know, it's good to have ideals, and I would say for the president's race, at least, we'll start there, I would say it'd be pretty near impossible for a third party to be elected right now. It's just how it is. Um, third party candidates are much less funded. Mm-hmm. The funding they get is you know, pennies compared to what right. um, the, the major party nominees get. Yeah. I think I heard Biden right now has $420 million sitting in the bank, mm. and we have, what, 15, 16 days to the election? Yeah. So, and I promise you, Joe or Howie Hawkins wishes they had that kind of money. Oh, yeah. So money is power in this country. If you have money, you're going to do well in politics. Mm -hmm. And so what you see here is a Republican Party and a Democratic Party that have spent decades and, you know, honestly, centuries in different forms building up their political clout, their foundations and their bases to the point where they're pretty impossible to go against. Um, It's not always impossible, but (laughs) it's, it's pretty hard. So... Yeah, I'd say with the current electoral college system that we have, it'd be hard for a third party to win. You Mm. need 270 to win. So that would have to be such a good candidate that both the Democrat and the Republican running were just awful compared to them, which Mm. isn't impossible. But people are pretty blindly loyal to their parties. You know, both sides are. Yeah. Um, So with that being said, you're always going to have a certain majority or a certain population that's going to vote for their parties no matter what. Mm. So that's the tough part with that, but for Senate and governor races, it's a little more doable, but it's the same thing, money. Right. It comes down to funding. If a third-party candidate was able to get the amount of money that a Democrat or Republican did in a Senate race or a governor race, or a gubernatorial race, they would do quite well. I don't know if they would win, but they would do really well. Um, because there is a lot of a lot of wanting for a third party.
2: Yeah.
1: I think a third-party system would be great. Um, I also think that it'd be cool if we had a national popular vote that decided the president, too. Mm. Um, you know, that's pretty controversial, I guess, still. But that way, you know, if there's three candidates running, four or five, six candidates running, whoever got the most votes of those six people wins. Yeah, It doesn't come down to electoral college. It doesn't right. come down to Michigan, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, right. Arizona now. It comes down to who has the most votes. So let's say the Democrat gets 13 million votes. They'd get way more but the Republicans get, you know, 14 and the Libertarian gets 17. They win
2: mm-hmm. and they're the
1: president. They have the mandate of the country, of the majority of the country to, to lead. Mm-hmm. And that seems to me today, like a better solution that would give people, I don't know, a broader sense or a, feel like they they would feel like they have broader access to the political process.
0: Yeah. You know. So forgive me if I'm off base, but from my understanding, what what you were saying is basically the states currently, uh, you know, we have what's called a swing state. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, so the states determine as a whole whether their state votes for the president or not.
1: Correct. Yes. So basically, Michigan is pretty much always a swing state. Mm-hmm. It, went to tw- it went to Trump in 2016 by 10,704 votes. Mm-hmm. It's within the margin of error with polling, you know. Yeah. But if it was a swing the other way and Biden got ten thousand seven hundred and four more votes this time, he wins the state yeah. and the sixteen electoral co- or electoral college votes that come with the state. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of messy, you know. Yeah. The other half, you know, if it's close to half of the population, that votes for the other guy it gets completely disregarded in the state. Mm. And I don't know. I just I just can't get with that system.
0: People yeah.
1: try to convince me otherwise all the time, but
0: yeah. Well, I know the arguments always. How do you how do you deal with that volume of ballots and and sorting through all of them and and doing it um, effectively? Um, yeah, I mean it's a it, it's kind of semantics because you have to do the same thing when it in, within the state, anyways. Oh
1: yeah, so, yeah, it happens. Um, I mean, and there would be a you can make it so as a system that the states would count their own ballots and then send them in. You know, yeah. Um, the biggest one I always hear about is, well, it would give the cities more power over the rural areas, you know, like the, you know, the areas that are less populated. Right. It's true, but that's if you consider a city a person. City is not a person. The people in those cities are. True. And so that's where the people live. You right. Know? And if they vote a certain way, then that's how it is. Yeah. And you have to adjust your politics to fit that. Hmm. The majority of America is democratic, like by registered voters um i think it's it's by a significant portion but because of the system you know they they don't always win basically right um and i'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing it's just how it is you know
0: mm-hmm. cool that's interesting perspective i i enjoy it yeah um so a little bit shift in gears but um obviously you're a student at a Christian university and you grew up a um missionary kid at starting at the age of 14. Yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, but how does your faith affect your political, political actions and decisions? Um, is the, is the question. And then I want to talk about how I kind of approach this election because, you know, my faith really drives what I, what I tend to do and decide. Um, and sometimes, you know, with the current worldview that I have, um, Mm -hmm. I know that we're never going to be free from evil or issues that we have in this world. And sometimes that discourages me from even wanting to talk about these things because um, I know we're never going to get to the solution. Um, So how do you combat that as a Christian um, and still remain active in politics?
1: Yeah, so it's tough. That kind of touches on separation of church and state, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Yeah. But... I would say my faith influences my politics um, through the morals that our, our faith, our shared faith gives us. Um, so, you know, Christ, Jesus Christ talked a lot about, you know, loving your neighbor or helping the least of these or wishing no harm on your enemy and in fact helping them if they so need it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so those kinds of morals is what I take into the political process with myself. It's like, who do I think would better represent those on the national scale? Mm-hmm. It's not always one party or the other, mm-hmm. you know, It de- def- definitely is not. But um, so I let my morals affect my worldview, and then change, my worldview affects how I view politics. Um, I don't want a big statue of Jesus in D.C. <laughs> or think that we should have the Ten Commandments at every state, you know, city hall.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but if you're a Christian, you should let your morals um, affect your decision making at least a little bit, yeah. you know, at least in how you treat others. Yeah. And I think that's probably the, the thing I take away from it the most. Is also I realize that not all Americans are Christians, and we're not a Christian country per se. Yeah, we have major- we're majority Christian, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other faiths. You know, hundreds of other faiths in this country. Yeah, definitely. And it's important that we don't necessarily exclude them because this is their country too. And if we ever want to show them what we see in Christianity than forcing our religion down their throats through the government just feels like a bad way to go about it to me. Yeah, Does that make sense?
0: I, I actually completely agree with you. I know yeah. many people here would, you know, tend to back off and be off-put by that perspective, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but I, I actually I agree with you wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of uh, people that disagree with that on campus with me. But hey, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it is what it is. That's what America
0: is about: is freedom of thought, freedom of speech, right? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we also talked about this a little bit as well, um, in that the states um, determine the government or the the presidential election. Is that the same for um, Senate and? Um, so the Senate court. is
1: a direct popular vote. Whoever gets the most votes in the state right. for that for that particular office wins. Okay. So it's just the presidency that is the Electoral College. Right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting.
0: Okay. Yeah, this is a little bit more philosophical. Um, but do you think that our current governmental system allows for true democracy and that people have the ability to affect politics as an individual?
1: Well. America, or the, the United States, to be more exact, is a federal constitutional republic. So we're not even a true democracy. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, no. Because we elect people who in turn go and they're supposed to carry out the will of the people. Mm-hmm. They don't always carry out the will of the people. Congress notoriously has a super low approval rating among Americans. I think it's like 28%. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, they don't get any... I feel like just from looking in what you see at the news, they don't get anything done. Um, And that's a shame because we send them there to get things done. So in a way, we we have influence over policy because if we express enough public opinion about something, then it most likely will get done. The problem is not enough people care about politics or the political system to express that public opinion about things. And so that's why politicians are able to skirt by and have partisan fights all the time because nobody really pays attention. You mm. know, people do, but how many people pay attention every day? How right. many people follow politics, you know, every hour even? Yeah. Not that many. Yeah. And so in a way, it can feel really remote and distant to your everyday life. And I don't want to speak for politicians, but I think they enjoy that <laughs> because it allows them to get by with some things that they shouldn't be able to
0: yeah. at times, you know. Mm. Hope that, does that answer your question? Yeah, Okay. D- d- uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So let's jump back into uh, the separation of church and state issue. Yeah. Um, I know that the there are arguments on both sides for this. And the argument on the left tends to be the separation of church and state means that the government, uh, or that the church should not interfere in government and it should not have any say in what the government does, um, whether that be any religion whatsoever. Um, And then the right tends to say, well, the separation of church and state phrase was found in a letter from Benjamin Franklin to a church of Anabaptists in, I don't remember what state. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Um, And and they basically claim, you know, um, that's not what the separation of church and state means. It means that the, government isn't going to interfere with the church Mm. in their worship. Um, I don't know if you have an opinion on that particular interpretation, Um, but regardless of that, I mean, you can comment on on that if you want, but you don't have to.
1: I have an opinion on separation of church and state for sure. Yeah. Just, Uh, yeah, talk about it. (laughs) So separation of church and state originally finds, you're right, um, Benjamin Franklin talks about it in letters, James Madison also talks about it, Thomas mm. Jefferson also talks about it, along with other founders. So it wasn't just a Benjamin Franklin thing. A mm. lot of those guys were escaping, um, or you know, the Pilgrims left, left England originally because of, um, honestly, because of religion, and because yeah. of the king. Yeah. And so when um, the founders made this country, they wanted to make sure that wasn't an issue. A lot of the founders weren't even really Christians. I don't know if you knew that or not, but a lot of them were just deists, which means they believe there's a god out there, but right. you know how involved he is is uncertain. Yeah. But the First Amendment to the Constitution um, says that Congress shall that well, I'm sorry, says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or pro- prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So those two clauses are known as the um, Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause, respectively. They form kind of the textual basis that we see today for the Supreme Court's interpretations of um, the separation of church and state. So the Supreme Court, their job is to interpret the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, they have always gone to those to that text and pointed that, you know, you shouldn't make any law respecting any religion. You shouldn't, you shouldn't coerce people into any religion. Um, if people want to be religious, they should do so voluntarily of their own right. And so um, all citizens are free to reject whatever religion they'd like in America. Um, in the eyes of the law, there should be no favorites. That's kind of the, actually not, not kind of, that is the stance the Supreme Court has taken on um, separation of church and state. So it was originally founded in letters like that, but now it's literally based in how we think of, think of the law. Because once the Supreme Court um, carries down or decides on a case, that in effect is the law. And the country honors it, you know, and stuff like Brown v. Board of Education, where they desegregated schools or Roe v. Wade, you know, was a big one, where they legalized abortion on the federal level. Mm. So, in a sense, separation of church and state has not always been followed, though, you know, not at all, in, in a lot mm. of senses. It wasn't until really, until recently, I don't know how recent, but people were praying in school still as like a daily thing. Yeah. Um, that wasn't that long ago until it got struck down by the Supreme Court. Um, and every single one of our presidents, I'm pretty sure, has been a Christian, you know, at least in the past hundred years.
0: Right, or at least claim At least claim to be religion. Christian, yeah. yep.
1: And it's yeah. almost a prerequisite for the job. You know, if Biden's tomorrow or Trump was like, yeah, I'm a Muslim, mm. do you, <laughs> they they probably wouldn't win. Yeah. And that's because a lot of people still are, still base their, um, their voting decisions on Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, this, the Christianity does affect uh, our country, and it has to do, it had, it had a, ha- a hand in helping to create the country. But going forward, I think it would be in our country's best um, interest to really try to keep all religion out of government. Hmm. just as a practice, and we, people already do, but in a country as diverse of, in a country with the diversity of thought that America has, it's almost, it's, it is discriminatory to only, you know, cater to one religion over the other, yeah, so that's kind of my thought on it, hmm. um, it's kind of what the Supreme Court has um, come to realize as well, so I hope hopefully that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, so how does that um, interpretation um affect your views on policies like um the legalization of abortion and the legalization of marijuana use um, on a federal level even
1: yeah so probably the hardest thing i had to grapple with in you know just getting into politics was abortion Mm -hmm. because even though roe v wade was passed down by the courts 47 years ago We're still talking about it today. And it's still a conversation of the 2020 election, Mm -hmm. the 2016 election, the 2012 election, 2008, and, you know, on and on and on. Um, And it's a tough one for Christians because if you look at scripture, I think it's pretty hard to, to come to any conclusion other than that all life is sacred, you know, and that all life should be protected at the same time. Where do you draw the line from including something of your religious texts into the government? Mm. You know, if you and I believe that, does that mean we should make it the law for everybody? Mm. And that's the debate. Um, I personally would rather spend my time informing people on how to make safe choices, you know, either with contraceptives or whatever, or help them to understand what abortion is rather than fighting a court case that was passed down in, you know, passed down by Republican judges too. 47 years ago, because I don't think it's going to get illegalized ever again. Mm. Um, A majority of Americans support it, and so they have the majority opinion on their side. Um, I know it's a rallying cry for a lot of people, though. If somebody says they're pro-life, they automatically get a lot of funding and a lot of votes, Mm -hmm. and I just don't think it necessarily translates into them actually doing anything. Mm. But it's such a tough decision, and I respect anybody that feels differently than me on it because it is it's a tough one but for the legalization of marijuana it's the same thing it's like where do i you know bible never explicitly mis- mentions marijuana yeah yeah um
0: i even found <laughs> it was super funny i even found this article um it was in some uh i was on i was on the database for for school doing a paper yeah. it was on some jewish um newspaper that said Did they find marijuana in the tabernacle? (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, it's pretty far fetched, but um, that's super far. Kind of funny. (laughs) That is funny.
1: Yeah, for marijuana, it's the studies show that it's less effective, or less like it affects you less or harms you less than alcohol does. Mm. And if that truly is the case, then why isn't it? Why isn't it legal already? Yeah. You know, to, to me, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, make it legal, tax the crap out of it. Yeah. And then give people that yeah. can't afford health care or whatever, help them afford health care
2: yep.
1: or help make sure that the roads that are such a mess here in Michigan actually get paved mm. <laughs> for once. Right. But billions of dollars can come in revenue, new revenue can come from taxing marijuana.
0: Yeah. Actual revenue, not fake yeah. revenue. <laughs>
1: yeah. Actual yeah. real money that can be quantified and and used yeah. like right away. Yeah. Um Man. and to me it's it's a no brainer. Uh, I think probably 20 years from now you and I will will laugh that we even talked about this cuz it'll be legal on at the federal level. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy that it's honestly to me it's crazy it's still illegal. Yeah. You know, nationwide. But
0: yeah, dude, it feels so good to have you say both of those issues. I like 100% agree with you. Yeah. Um and you know, abortion is so, so, so hard to deal with as mm-hmm. a Christian, um, but I've come to the same conclusions. Um, yeah. So
1: It's super tough because people will disagree with you on if you believe that. People here will disagree with you if you yeah. believe that. Yep. And it's tough because they don't necessarily know your heart. They just hear that, you know, you're okay yeah. with letting it stay legal, hmm. and they're, they just judge you based off of that. Yeah. And... I don't know, that, just, that really gets on my nerves because you don't know my heart necessarily right. or how I've thought about it or anything else or how those, in, those issues have impacted my own life. And you have to think the same way for people that um, do want it legalized. Like why You have to put yourself in their shoes a little bit mm-hmm. and wonder why. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think as Christians, people on this campus, but really nationwide, worldwide, could do a better job of being understanding and try to try to reflect Christ a little better, you know, because it gives us a bad name when you you know people go to Planned Parenthood and they have the baby killer signs outside, yeah. and those are the Christians, and it's like, yeah. if that lady's not a Christian, do you think she's ever gonna want to be one?
2: Mm.
1: So that's just where I come from. It's like, yeah. man, if you have a chance to to make an impact in somebody's life, you don't judge them, you know, help them, walk walk along walk alongside them, pull the um, the log out of your own eye. Yep. And uh, and stop pointing at the needle in somebody else's. Yeah. I think so.
0: so much more. So much more could be accomplished through, you know, coming alongside people and educating yes. people with, you know, contraceptive use, proper contraceptive use. And um, creating those kinds of approaches towards this issue, I think, could be so much more helpful.
1: I do, and, too. Yeah. I really do. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. So
0: let's, let's move on. Um, okay. We talked about this already. Um, Here's another um, general question about government. Um, Do you think that the right wing in America has become overly nationalistic, um, believing that America is this infallible national superpower, Um, and then conversely on the other side, do you believe that the left wing idolizes other systems like Sweden and Europe – to the point that we don't even see our benefits, the good side of America.
1: Yes and yes. (laughs) But further, um, the right-wing one. In America, we are a special country because of our Constitution and the the ideas the founders put forth. Hmm. Um, But it has led us to believe that we are superior To every other country in the world. Uh. And that is such a toxic way to think about things. Because, you know, we didn't have any say in in being born in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, we just woke up one day or, you know, was cognitive. I don't know what the word is. One day we were and we were here. Mm -hmm. And we had nothing. We had no say in that whatsoever. And so just because somebody is somewhere else um, doesn't make them any less valuable and it doesn't make and just because our country is great right now doesn't make us the best I think Uh, we have a pride problem in this country for sure Uh, and I think unrightfully so in a lot of ways because we are we we're the best in some ways but we're not the best in a lot of ways and it's okay to recognize that and realize that and work towards making ourselves a better country Mm. every country has problems and we just be we're just blessed to you know, have a, have a pretty great nation. Actually, we're the richest nation in history, and one of the most technologically advanced in history as well. Yeah. And so through that lens, we are ex- extraordinary, extraordinarily, and blessed. But we shouldn't lose sight of um, how we got here, and we shouldn't lose sight of, I guess, our morals and values, because it's easy just to let yourself get all puffed up and be like, "Oh yeah, America, we're the best," <laughs> you know. And but for the left. I think a lot of them, it's, such, it's, it's a hard question to answer because the left is such a big tent. Yeah, you know, it's true. You it's have, true. You have social democrats yeah. and conservative democrats and liberals and leftists and everything in between there. And uh, I didn't
0: mean to put you in a corner. I just no, 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 no I know. you're not. You're not. <laughs> um, but it's tough because
1: some people that are left-leaning want this country to be communist. Some mm-hmm. people that are left-leaning want this country to stay the same and just tweak a few things on how we do things. Right. And some people just don't want you know, any government at all. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's tough because, yes, I think we do idolize other countries a little too much and we forget how good we have it here in a lot of scenarios. Um, but most people, like myself, I think realize that the founders had fantastic and really brilliant ideas for this country. Like our founding documents are so great. And the mm. freedoms they give us, we really shouldn't forget them. Like we shouldn't lose sight of them or forget what a privilege it is to have those um, those benefits in this country. But I also think times change, and the founders recognized that. They did recognize that, and so that the system of governance eventually would change at least a little bit. And I think that's okay. You know, we're not the same country we were we were in 1776. Our Definitely guns don't not. take a minute to load. Yep. You know. Uh, we We have cell phones and cars and planes mm-hmm. and stuff those guys literally could never even dreamed of, mm-hmm. and so the way we have we have changed a little bit. the way the Supreme Court interprets cases has changed the way they've interpreted the right to privacy has changed. so yeah, we're changing all the time, but I think the core of the Constitution stays the same throughout all of that. Um, the Constitution itself was not. A perfect document well it uh yeah. it it allowed slaves to be counted as three-fifths of a person right and stuff like that so in in my mind it's okay to to look at it critically still while also realizing the freedoms that it guarantees you and mm-hmm. being very grateful for those yeah
0: great answer yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks um so we're actually doing pretty good on time we're about to close out um i just kind of want to ask what advice can you give to voters right now that are listening to this podcast
2: hmm.
0: i would
1: say if you were young and you want to see change in the political process no matter what that change is you got to vote <laughs> you got to do it <laughs> I, I know that it's easy for people our age to stay on the sidelines and not really have to care about these things and hmm more care about, you know, does so and so like me or am I going get to get a good grade on this. And it's hard to really tune into, you know, what the big wigs and Paul and, and Washington are doing yeah. on a day-to-day basis. But you know, the baby boomers of our gener- of of our time vote at a rate of 70%. So 70% of that generation and older, you know, people that are in their 90s too, they vote.
0: Yeah. That's so, actually better than I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so pretty good. They show up, man. And if we don't show up, then we're not going to be represented in, yeah. in the process. Yep. If we all showed up at the same rates that they do, we would win every election. Mm. Honestly, if we, had a, if we picked out a candidate, let's just say we did, and Gen Z just decided on a candidate, and millennials and Gen Z got together and decided, yeah, we're going to vote for him, and mm. they all did, it wouldn't even be a question. Yeah. That guy would win. So if you feel like the political system doesn't work for you, or you look at the two candidates right now, and you're like, man these guys don't represent me at all. You gotta vote because, especially in primaries, because primaries decided Donald Trump, primaries decided Joe Biden. And um, if you vote in both of those and you get all of your friends to do the same, and you vote for a candidate that you feel actually represents the values that you want America to represent to the world and, you know, inwards, just
0: gotta show up and vote.
1: Vote in the primaries, be active in politics, and then show up and vote in the general election. Yeah. You I don't. have a confession to make.
0: What's that? I didn't vote in the primaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It was, it was partially because I moved and they were like, oh, you have to do all this extra stuff. But yeah, you, I should have. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're I right. Mean, we got to stand up. That extra stuff makes a difference
1: though. It does. Um, even on campus, I've helped, oh man, 10 to 15 people register to vote. Um, and at times, every single time that I helped them out, they had questions about the process. Like something came up and stopped them from finishing the registration for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And I had to show them, oh, it's cause you did this instead of this. Right. And if I hadn't been there, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal here, but if I hadn't been there or if nobody was helping them, they easily could have just given up right then and there. Yeah. And been like, Oh well, I'll do it another day and just never do it another day. Yeah. The same thing is happening now. Um, you know, it's so it's super important that we really invest at least a little bit of our time, you know, into making sure that we research our candidates, every candidate, not just president and vice president, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: research, even research your drain drain commissioner, which I didn't know was an elected official until recently. (laughs) But in Wyoming, Michigan, we elect a drain commissioner to a four-year term.
2: Uh,
1: But it's important to know that stuff because it helps you make the future you want. And through that, the political system will start to work a little more for you. I hear a lot of young people be like, oh, well, the system's corrupt, and it's rigged, and even if we vote, you know, nothing will happen. It's not true, you know. If you really vote, and that candidate has a lot of support, then they're going to get places, and I think we've seen that, you know, whether you agree with him or not, I think we've seen that in the candidacies of Bernie Sanders in 2016 and in 2020. The reason he got as far as he did was pretty much solely because of young people. Obviously, he didn't win, but... Young people came out for him, and Clinton, instead of Hillary Clinton, instead of you know having the um, nomination as a foregone conclusion, she had to fight for it, and it was because young people showed up and and wanted that kind of change. So it's possible; it really is, but it includes an electorate, or constituents, or pe- citizens, you know, in, in terms showing up to vote and making a con- conscious effort to do so every time there's an option to do so. So that's what I would say.
0: Awesome. Great closing statements. <laughs> 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 no, so um, I guess uh, this is the part where I close on a recommendation and a quote of the day. That will be a regular part of this podcast. Um, we have actually recorded several of these before now, but we're publishing this one first because the pre- presidential election is coming up, awesome, really quickly. So it is. Um, so what I want to end on for the recommendation is actually Rob's own podcast um, that he has, and I'll give you a second to talk about that in more detail. Yeah, thanks, man.
1: Um, so me and my friend Justin McMaster, and if you if you go to Grace Christian University, you probably know us. Wanted to start a podcast that helped young people that are our age get more involved in the political process. Because most of the people that we talk to here at Grace kind of just tune out on a day-to-day basis, and big news is not necessarily big to them. You know, I might say, oh, there's this crazy news article that just came out, and nobody's even heard of it yet. Yeah. So we wanted to make a podcast where we kind of dilute or dumb down, I don't want to say dumb down. But kind of, you know, condense, condense yeah. make it a little easier to understand the, the weekly news so that people that are our age feel like um, they can understand what's going on more in their communities and their states and their um, nation. So, basically, what we'll be talking about is current events. Um, a big one's the presidential election. We probably won't cover that one too much, but we really want to cover our local communities as well. Because, like we've talked about, all politics is local. And if you know a lot about your community, then you're able to make informed choices about voting, or you know just how to live your life inside your community, and stuff that happens here in Wyoming, Michigan is valuable for you and I to know about. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, Justin and I are starting a podcast called We the Youth, Politics for Gen Z, and our goal is really just to help our peers um, kind of drown out, you know, the mainstream media and just the different biases that those tend to have, and try to get people as unbiased. Um, news as possible you know obviously justin and i have our own beliefs but we really want to make it a goal to just give people the news and um try to help them become more informed citizens so yeah make sure to check us out thanks
0: that's awesome um you i will definitely be listening again for everyone that is we the youth politics for gen z with robert kilgo and justin mcmaster um so the quote of the day uh just a quote that i that really resonated with me um by uh, John F. Kennedy was, "Do not pray for easy lives, pray to be stronger men." Amen to that. That's all we can do. it's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you all for watching and tuning in to the No Tomatoes podcast. I hope you all have a great day.